never know who your future customers will be. It may be a student today, but in a couple of years, you know, and that person by spending, you know, the six or seven hours with you reading your words, that's mm. a, it, it builds an amazing familiarity. So by the time they come to you, that's a very hot lead. They already Hey gang, welcome back to the mashup. It's good to have you all joining us again this week. Um, hey, I've got a very special guest in the studio today. We've got Jess Muddett joining us today, who's been on the podcast once before. And I was I was just chatting with Jessica offline um, before we hit the record button and telling her that her last time on the show was the second most popular episode that we've ever had. So pressure's on. Um, there's been some big changes for Jess. Jess has, has, um, changed her business. So Jess was a, a journalist, uh, and quite a well-respected one, writing for some really big publications, but she's now started her own business, helping people write and publish their books. And the new business is called Hembry Books, which we're going to talk a bit about today. So Jess, welcome back to the show. Hi, Simon. It's really nice to be back. Um, so big changes for you. Before we dive into some of the things that we want to chat about today, what's prompted the move? What's kind of inspired you to do this? Um, sadly, it was my father passing away uh, in July last year of dementia. Um, he had a business all his life. He was working from home before the, there was even such a term. He had Hembry Furniture when he passed away, the next day, I suddenly had this realisation that life is really short. Why am I still waiting to pursue my dream of being a ghostwriter and having a books business? Because life is, is just going to pass me by. From that moment, I started putting the wheels in motion. And uh, I'm so happy that I did. I love journalism. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I also had this part of myself that I never really got to pursue. I was kind of you know, a journalist who absolutely loved reading. I just thought that was how all journalists were. And now that I've actually made the move to Henry Books, um, I realise, you know, it's the things that you love that you think about in your spare time that you should pursue. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, look, I'm so sorry to hear that about your dad, but I think it's like it's fabulous that you've chosen to take that name. I assume that's kind of in honour of him a little bit. It absolutely is. Um, not only was it his business name, it was the name of his childhood home. He then named it our childhood home. And Henry Fort Cross is a medieval fort in Devon. So it's amazing. There's a, you know, there's, a, a, it's a very rich history and the name makes me smile. So it's very much in honour of Dad. That's we have, awesome. um, yeah, I just went back to to my house in Melbourne, um, and there's a big sign on on the on Mum's door that used to be on my childhood home, a big bronze sign that says Hembury. Yeah, that's beautiful, and so it's really nice that you've been able to turn that what's a major life event, you know, when when you lose um, someone so close to you, you've been able to turn it into something that now puts a smile on your face. Yeah, it's yeah, it's nice. I'm really happy um, to, to to be doing it. I do wish I could talk shop with Dad though, because he was a terrific businessman and he was so kind. And like 
really honest and really yeah. successful, like the best kind of businessman. So yeah, right. I do wish that I could show him, but I like to think that he knows. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's up there watching down. Um, and look, no doubt you've inherited some of that too, because we, you know we've spoken to each other a few times over a period and, you know, for different reasons. And, and you definitely come across as being that good, genuine and really kind person. So I'm sure you've inherited some of that from him, maybe a lot of it. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Um, so you're an author yourself. You've published you've published two books or there's one that's not out yet? Yeah, there's one that's that's coming in March called Once Around the Sun. Um, mm-hmm. My first book is called Our Home in Myanmar. They're both travel mm. memoirs and that was published in 2020. Yeah, okay. So you've been through the process of writing and publishing books before, which um, I guess is kind of what gives you maybe partly the passion, but also the knowledge to be able to help other people through the process. Because let's talk a bit about Henry Books. That's really what you're going to be doing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the pros, what I learned being a self-published author the first time and, and doing it again a second time is number one, that I love the back end of books. Number two, that it's quite a steep learning curve and it's time consuming And I, you know, have thoroughly enjoyed the learning process, but that's because I love everything about books. And, you know, if you make a mistake, it can be a fairly serious mistake. Like there's little things that you can slip up on. For example, you know, with Amazon, if you you set a um, a publication date and you can start taking pre-orders, if that publication date, you get one, they give you, they'll forgive you once if you need Mm -hmm. to push it back. If you're asked to do it twice, they'll remove your book and you're banned for a year. So you need to know that. Consequence, hey. Yeah, yeah, because they can't have, they need to look after their customers. Of course. And there's other things like you have to, you have the publication date, but you need to upload your manuscript sort of, it's like 10 days out from that. Otherwise, again, it turns into, well, you have, you've, you've failed. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think, I'm not sure, gosh, I don't know what they do, but there are a lot of things, you know, you have to buy ISBNs, you have to learn about trim sizes, getting your cover designed to the sort of the right specifications. Otherwise, you know, you'll have a, a terrible looking book. Um, And after all the effort of writing the manuscript, you want it to be the best quality book that you can make. So, my idea also I you know I was heartbroken when publishers turned me down mm-hmm. and yep. what I love most about Henry books is when someone comes to me and they've been rejected 10 times by publishers and they have an amazing idea for a book and I say let's get your book into the world you can earn terrific royalties you can be you can have the high media profile that you want you yeah. can use this as a speaking platform. In in many ways, it's more advantageous to self-publish, which it comes as a pleasant surprise to people. If they're willing to, I'm sort of flipping the publishing model. If someone mm-hmm. is willing to invest in their product, their book themselves, I will get their book ready to a really, really high standard and they then keep all the royalties, which they split with, you know, Amazon as well. Um, the royalties are quite high compared to being traditionally published Mm. and they then, and we do it together. So it's quite a, it's a creative collaboration. So, um, whereas with a publisher, they'll sort of show you the cover and tell you what it is. So 
yeah, that's that's what I, I really love about this business. Yeah, you're putting control back into the hands of, I guess, the person who should have it, you know, the, the author. It sounds a bit like the music industry, hey, where young artists get signed to record deals and then, you know, they don't make any money off the back of it, but the record label makes a fortune. It's it, There's so many similarities with music. Mm. I think that the publishing model is, is broken um, because no one's making money out of books. The authors certainly aren't. Publishers, you know, they get by on a handful of bestsellers mm. um, and most, most other books are, are, are losses. Um, so it's just, it can be disappointing all around. I don't think you should publish a book with profit in mind because... You just can't guarantee that the benefits it provides can be it can be a great return on investment because you can end up with a lucrative speaking career or speaking opportunities. Yeah. You know, you're recognised as an expert in your field, um, and some people do terrifically well from royalties, but that is certainly no guarantee. Yeah, and I think that's a really good segue into one of the thing into some of the things I guess that we want to chat about today because there are so many of us, you know, who've got or at least we think we've got inside us, you know, a writer, a JK Rowling's or, you know, a Stephen King or whoever it might be. Um, And you're right. Being able to put that, you know, on your LinkedIn profile, for example, author, published author is, is a really, it's a massive tick in terms of building credibility, building trust, positioning yourself as an authority in your field. And so I guess they're some of the objectives that people could have in publishing a book, hey, as opposed to I'm going to publish this book to make money, it's I'm going to publish a book because I know I can help more people by doing it that way, I can reach more people, and I can help position myself as a bit of an authority in my field, which is going to have other spin-off benefits too. Yeah, that's that's completely for a business but person mm. contemplating a book, I would say that what it can add to your profile and the opportunities that it will create. Yeah. You know, launching a book gives you a reason to 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 speak, to get yourself in front of potential customers. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, I love how democratic books are because, you know, everyone can go to the library and get one. Um, and you never know who your future customers will be. It may be a student today, but in a couple of years, you know, and that person by spending, you know, the six or seven hours with you reading your words, that's mm. a, it, it builds an amazing familiarity. So by the time they come to you, that's a very hot lead. They already know that they like you and respect you. Yeah, right. So that's actually a really interesting point because there's a lot of books particularly, you know, business-type books, business-related books from coaches and speakers and, you know, industry professionals that you can buy on some of the book platforms like Amazon, for example, for just a couple of dollars, especially for the ebook version. And, mm. you know, the question in a lot of people's minds is, well, you know, why? Why would they be, you know, creating this thing and selling it for $2? They're clearly not making any money, but that's the reason, isn't it? It's just yeah, because they I, like I the more so. of them they can get in people's hands, the more you know prospects they're creating. I suppose it's like a content marketing strategy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because I mean, absolutely, it, it, that person then becomes you know in their eyes. Look, even if you haven't read the book, I know as a journalist, when I had to choose a source, t- nine times out of ten, I if, if I had five choices, I'd go to the person who'd written a book on the topic. I yeah, hadn't right. read the book, 
Yeah. Um, you know, it may not necessarily have been the best book, but the fact, I don't know, I think it just shows endurance, doesn't it? And a level, a level of commitment and professionalism to have a book out. But that yeah. said, you know, my saying is that a book is not a purse. Like it's not something you just go and buy as an accessory to your, you know, professional portfolio. It really mm-hmm. You can, you can be an author and that's great, but if you want, want to be an author whose ideas are discussed and you're sought out because of your ideas, needs to be a good book. And that means mm. you may have fantastic ideas, but you need to express them, you know, with clarity and brevity so that the reading experience is enjoyable. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. There's, there's $2 books on Amazon that have sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies and those mm-hmm. kinds of royalties, they certainly add up. Yeah. Um, but I think also price point is something you need to get right. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, if, if you price your book too low, it, uh, it can send the wrong message. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of one of the things I was getting at. You see a book for you know one of those low prices and you think i wonder why they're doing that because you know we immediately think of you know the cds in the bargain bin at jb hi-fi for 4.99 and you're like well they obviously couldn't sell them <laughs> no, i were... <laughs> i would never yeah i would never advocate i would sooner say if you're a business person and this is part of your funnel mm. i would sooner say give the book away for free sign up to my newsletter and you get i mean usually it you know will be a shorter book um, yeah, for free yeah. as a gift rather than even bothering with that $2. But yeah. what I would say is that um, there's a very, very active and successful indie author community, especially in America, that, and they write pulp fiction and they write series. Yeah, so they right. might start with the first book in a series at 99 cents or $2 because these mm. books, they're read in an afternoon, you know, and yeah. these guys write 12, 13 books a year. Wow. And they're making millions, Yeah. right? Okay. If you yeah. read, if they, these, these guys, they don't talk in terms of books. They talk in terms of series. They right. may have written four series, right? Yeah. So they may also be part, Amazon has a um, an exclusive deal that authors can do. It's something worth considering where you get paid per page read. Right. So, you, yeah, you have to be exclusive with Amazon, but, you know, I see because people share their royalty statements and their screenshots, which is why I know this. And, Mm. you know, they're an author that's having millions of pages read every month. So, Mm. you know, it really does add up. There's all different ways of going about it. But I think, you know, if, if you, if you provide a high end coaching service, your book should be priced appropriately. You know, it should be, um, you know, over this, definitely over the $10 mark. But these are all that um, because I've done it before and I've done so much research into different genres and positioning and trial and error because I can change my prices and I've I've tweaked, you know, to see how people respond, um, which is why I'm just trying to save people time and heartache by advising them on every step from conception of the idea to holding the book in your hand. Yeah, right, yeah. And it's all part of your brand isn't it? So it's not just, it's the content of the book, it's the visual appeal of the book, and it's the price point. All of that kind of feeds into your brand and how you want to be yeah, perceived. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It has to be consistent or you confuse people and confused people don't purchase. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, confused mind always says no. Um, okay, so all of that's fantastic. We know why we might want to publish a book or get published. What's the Take us through the process 
of of you know conceptualization and creation and then publishing like what's the process in getting a book to market so the first thing you need to think about is how much you love or loathe writing so i say to clients if you enjoy the process of writing you need an editor um if you can't stand it and you have no confidence you need a ghostwriter um and that's something i then you know use my journalism skills to interview that person and then and to capture their voice synthesize their ideas um and then work with them so that they're reading over it and um and then we have the manuscript or Mm -hmm. someone comes to me with a finished manuscript um it will need to be edited um it will need to be proofed and I like to have a series of meetings with the author rather than just sending each other documents you know via email because some things need fleshing out and fascinating things come out like I said to one of my clients like you don't seem to like exercise like just some casual comments and she said oh no I absolutely hate it like I have a sort of a hang-up about it I said oh well I want to hear more about that that's fascinating Mm. um so, so I think, you know, it is a kind of, you know, these brainstorming sessions are great. Yeah. And then once the manuscript is ready, um, it, the, we talk about the strategy and that can be pitching to agents, um, yeah. pitching to traditional publishers, getting a book deal is hard, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm agnostic. So whatever my client, whichever way they want to go about things, I just want to help them achieve those goals. So they might come to me and say, I want to see my book at airport bookstores. That's what I want. Okay, right. right, You need a publisher to achieve that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to contact Major Street Publishing, who I have a relationship with. And, you know, they've said they're very happy to receive pitches from me about, you know, ideas that I think are strong. They can go down that path. Um, If they are turned down by publishers, I say, don't be heartbroken like I was. (laughs) let's self-publish your book and now you get to make all the decisions I'll say when what date do you want to publish your book and let's work backwards from that um so I provide like a a publishing package where they hold the book in their hands which I was just so happy just this week my first client Holly Dean Johns uh, to get a video of her holding her book in her hands and she loves her book and she can't believe how big it is (laughs) you know that's Yeah, that's the reason why I started this business. I do not say, okay, now go off and check out um, XYZ company and they'll help you like work out how many um, how many inches your book, book could be. I don't want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then, you know, the fun stuff of planning the launch. Um, I, I work with a publicist called Nicole Webb who can like really amplify someone. I also provide some a bit of a publicity power package mm-hmm. um, because I tap my journalism contacts. And then it's absolutely up to the author to market themselves. Um, and because the more, I say the more you put in, the more you'll get out of it. It's It's got to be driven by you because you're the person everyone wants to see. They don't want to see me pushing you. They want to see you on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. So you've got to be a marketing whiz too, hey, because it's no good having a great product if nobody knows about it. Oh, it is so, marketing is so important, Simon, and I don't need to tell you, but without it, you can have the best book in the world, but no one's going to read it because they don't know that it's there, you know, and advertising is one thing, but marketing, it's sort of, I don't know, that more soft power for an author that I think is what has the real potential to 
take a book, you know, into the stratosphere. Yeah. There's um there's a saying I can't remember who said it, but it apl- it was about um business, but it applies equal- equally well to publishing and it is uh, the saying goes running a business without advertising is like winking at a girl in the dark. You know what you're doing, but nobody else does. And so and I think right publishing a book without marketing it like you know you've got a great book but nobody else is going to know about it so you've yeah. got to really get it out there and and take ownership of of getting it to market yeah i think you know some authors might be like what there's more i've i've written <laughs> a 70,000 word manuscript surely my job is done yeah no no it's just beginning it's just starting. because this is just as critical yeah yeah um so there's probably a lot of us who would love to be authors. You know, um, like I said, we we all think that we've got, you know, that author inside of us. But then, you know, our little friend, um, imposter syndrome, comes along and says, well, you know, who, who are you to be an author? What do you know that's worthy of publishing? Like how do we know when we know enough to be able to write a book? Well, first of all, I would say you know yourself. So if you have had, you know, because I have a lot of memoir clients, if you've had an experience in your life that has stuck with you, for example, Bruce Lowry, he went, um, he's retired now. He went on a trip in 1968, Mm -hmm. crossed the Nullarbor Plain, worked on sheep stations and stuff and went on to have a successful corporate career, could never forget about 1968, COVID struck and he thought, you know what, I'm going to write this manuscript. Yeah. He's written two books. Like he's a natural writer. He's a great writer. It is so lively. Um, and it didn't leave him. If you have an experience like that, a personal experience, first of all, I would say, yes, write about it. We need more memoirs. We need like books teach us about who we are as a human species. And the more vulnerable and truthful that you're willing to be is so enriching. It is so comforting, consoling and inspiring. And it can, you know, it can comfort someone who's having a really tough time. Perhaps they can avoid the mistakes you've made. So I would always say, listen, trust yourself. If you think all your life or a chapter of your life was really interesting, pursue it. Um, secondly, I would say in terms of if you're an expert, but do I know enough? Tell you what, by the time you finished your book, you will know enough. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like, The process of writing a book and distilling your ideas into chapters, choosing what you're going to put in, what you're going to leave out Mm. and framing it in a way that comes back to an overarching message. And a book to me is a tool of persuasion. Mm -hmm. So you're taking the reader with you on a journey. By the time they finish the book with you, you've got them on side to something at the beginning they were perhaps a bit sceptical about because those are the kinds of books that are popular, right? Like the four-hour work week. What? Mm. Come on. You've got to be kidding me. But by the end you're like implementing it and stuff. So, you know, life is short. Um, Write your book and, you know, I think because I'm a book coach and I do believe that one of my most important functions is to provide the encouragement I'm a professional and I, you know, if I can look you in the eye and say this is a good book, other people are going to enjoy your book, I think it can really motivate you to keep going. Um, Mm. And it's scary. Publishing a book is scary. Like not every client is going to be right for me Um, Mm -hmm. and I will just need to say, look, you know, you'd be better off served by someone else. So I have that integrity Um, but it's a delight to work with people, but I know very much confidence. 
I actually think it's quite endearing. I think if someone came to me saying, this is going to be a bestseller, like you're so lucky to work with me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd be like, come on. Yeah. I think a creative who's modest is quite endearing, but don't let it stop you from actually writing your book. That's I think that's a really common trait with creatives though, isn't it? You know, they're, they're, um, um, hypercritical. Yeah. Creatives are very cool people, but they're not really, they don't like to, to promote themselves, right? They're not about the promotion. They're about the art and they're about creating and making something great, but they're not really big on promoting themselves. They're not self promoters in a lot of cases. Um, and I think that that's, that's a bit of a pattern with creatives. And like you said, it's really endearing. Um, there are others of us who are it not is. like that. <laughs> we really happy to put ourselves out there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And and so it's a whole, um, you know, I'm encouraging, I've mentioned TikTok, but I always ask my clients to please get on TikTok and just to mm. start being natural, filming themselves and talking. And that's like, it's hard. It's like getting into a cold swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, your yeah. TikTok's doing, your, your TikTok content's great, by the way. So I'll make sure that there's um, links in the show notes to your TikTok if anybody wants to follow you. Um, oh, thank you, Simon. Hey, you, you, you mentioned something um, that was really important. You mentioned a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, which is an example that um, I like to use when I'm talking to people about, um, you know, creating offers in their marketing campaign and how important the messaging is. And, and I know that the book title is really important, but there were, there were books before the four hour work week, you know, about outsourcing, which didn't sell, didn't become bestsellers because who knows what their title was. Nobody remembers. That's kind of the point. And then along came the four hour work week, which is basically a book about outsourcing. Um, but the author or the publisher or somebody was smart enough to say, nobody cares about outsourcing, but everybody wants to only work four hours a week. And so they came up with this fabulous book title, which is basically the offer positioning. And the thing went gangbusters and pretty much every entrepreneur has heard of that book and so is most of the rest of the world. How important is the book title and how much effort is put into creating that? It's critical. And I am of the school that that a book title should be functional. It should be clear, not clever. Um, Mm -hmm. A a wordplay is terrific, but you have got two seconds to get a shopper's attention. Let's say they're in a bookstore. All they can see is the spine. So all they can see is your book title and your name, right? Presuming you're not Madonna and it's not your memoir. (laughs) It's got to be the title that works for you. And so, and you've, yeah, so you've got to distill it into five words or less, which Mm. is a huge challenge um, you know, poetry is nice, I guess, if you're sort of in fiction or suspense where the title actually conveys the genre, like mm-hmm. it, it tells the reader, okay, this is, this is a, a thriller or a romance or something. But if, if you're a, a business author, it's got to be your, you know, if you were to give it a TEDx talk, what would the title be? And it's yeah. got to be something that you can, that is so, it, ca- it captures something so large that you've got sort of 15, 20 chapters underneath it. Mm-hmm. But it's very specific, very functional, I think. Because and and exactly, how does it affect the life of the person who may buy it? Like, what's the problem, and how yeah. are you solving it? The four-hour work week, we're all overworked. We'd all love to do four yeah. hours. Like, it seems you sort of you. I'd almost pick it up in disbelief and say that's outrageous. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, 
and the good ones so like you know it's you've always got to frame it in terms of not how I achieve this like you know how like six figures in school hours Kate Toon's book another very very clever title mm-hmm. um she does not say how I made lots of money and didn't work too much mm. right it's it's putting it as a statement that implies I've done it you can do it too yeah this is how you do it read the book and it's and it and that's a really clever one because that that um phrase six figures that means something to business people and entrepreneurs but it might not mean something to a lot of other people so it's calling out her audience right because we know what a six figure yeah. business is but a lot of people might not so six figures in school hours is calling out that audience of mumpreneurs who oh i've got you know this time during the day when the kids are at school and i can build a six figure business how do i do that so that's a really clever yeah. one. Yeah. Again, it's, it's about really the offer one. positioning, hey. Yeah, yeah, it's really smart. Yeah. So um, so then what are the elements that make a good book? You touched on a couple of them um, previously, but yeah, what, what, are, what are the things that people need to make sure they're including if it's going to be a book that resonates with people? It has to it has to be unique. It has to be your idea. It can be an idea that a problem that everyone's trying to solve, but this is your way of solving it because there's just no room for repetition. Mm. Um, it needs to be a problem that affects not everyone, but a group, a group that you can market that mm. are you know identifiable. Yeah, and it needs it needs to um, it needs to be accessible. So. You know, this is not a book for, you know, an article in an academic journal. Um, it needs to it needs to, to be accessible in terms of its, its clarity and the way that it's set up. And so you have to order your ideas. I always say to people, begin with a chapter summary breakdown mm-hmm. where you just write a couple of lines to a paragraph about what is going to be in each paragraph. It's, this is not a writing exercise. Like you just, and then I'm going to say this and this and this, and then there'll be that study. And it has to be a logical flow where you can think of it like, you know, you're a a barrister arguing a case, like say it's like a murder case and you're trying to, to convince the jury that the person is guilty. So you begin with a story because we're wired for story to get everyone in on an emotional level. And that will be the kind of why me, why now, why am I the author of this book that you're reading with Mm -hmm. an an emotive kind of story. Mm -hmm. And then you begin the process of persuasion and you have to take them with you and you have to do it in the right order. Because if you, if you suddenly come in with something, I don't know, some sort of like, you know, super racy um, sex details or something, they'll kind of recoil. They're not ready for that amount of information. So, you know, we call it an, a narrative arc and that applies to me, to fiction. You know, it's that beginning, middle, end, but a narrative arc is how it also applies to nonfiction. You right. you have to take the reader with you to the sort of the height of conflict and then mm-hmm. it drops back down again. And you do that in right. chapters and you also do that overall in terms of setting up the problem, resolving the problem, and then the what next yeah, so it's a real science, isn't it? Like it's not just a matter of being yeah, able to bang out say, words on a page. It's, you know, yeah, you could say it's sort of formulaic, but what uh, there's a book called Wine for Story 
And that looks at the neuroscience of how our brains react to stories. And, you know, in the beginning of my author career, I was like, I want to break the mold. I don't have to, you know, comply with these supposed rules. Then when I learned the neuroscience behind it, there's, there's a formula for a reason and, and we respond really well. And the way that we process information and stuff yeah. um, is, you know, we're a human species. So if you follow, if you follow certain steps and systems, you will produce a good book. That's the good news. If you get too experimental and you have wildly varying chapter lengths or some kind of red herring, yeah. that's enough for someone to close a book. If they close oh. your book, that's fatal. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So then having said all of that, having talked about, you know, um, getting the information out, structuring it in such a way that it's it's going to, um, I guess, engage people and ensure that they read the whole book. All of those little intricacies around publishing and getting your book to market, the contacts within, you know, different publishing companies and media, what's the, what's the realistically, what's the chances of somebody doing that themselves um, compared to somebody working with somebody like you? Let's do a bit of a pitch, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you. like it, it sounds like a lot for somebody to take on, almost insurmountable. If you have an existing business that you cannot walk away from, you would definitely need support on some level because the sheer amount of time that goes into it um, could be enough. You know, you don't, you, you know, you don't want to be distracted from the, the, the reason why you're doing it, which is your business. Yeah. Um, if you, if you enjoy, you know, books and all aspects of books and publishing and you think, and you think to yourself, this is not my only book, I'm going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. It may it may be great to work with someone like me the first time around and then you can just hit the ground running the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, and things things evolve in the publishing landscape as well, which is exciting. It just gets better and better and there's new things too. Yeah. There's new ways of promoting your book. The technology is fantastic. You know, audio books are taking off. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have to make about 2,000 decisions from beginning to end. And so having someone, you know, that can just say, Yay or nay? Yeah. Um, should I put my photo on, on the cover of my book? I'll say yay or nay. You yeah. know, those kinds of things, like mm. just that coach, that can be great. Um, if you lack confidence in your writing skills and your idea is like you're wrestling with the idea, which often people do at the start of the book, they know sort of the shape of it, but we have to kind of finesse that, you mm-hmm. know, so it really drills down into your message. Yeah. That can be really helpful. Um, th- yeah, the publishing back end, I guess um, it's not advantageous to get your head around that if you're not going to be publishing a book for another couple of years because by which time things will have changed and you'll have to learn sort of the, the landscape again. So, yeah. you know, if you're time poor but really driven, like a book is still a lot of work because it's the author who has to make those decisions. And I, as I said, the author is obviously the face of their book. So there's a time yeah. commitment. You want to think about the launch date that suits you. Um, but even if you have a traditional publishing deal, um, a lot of authors are surprised to find that they need to do all their marketing as well. Like, yeah. They'll have about a month with their <laughs> right. publisher while it's a new release, but yeah. they will have to be um, investing a huge amount of time as well. Yeah. Okay. That's um. Yeah. That's interesting because you would kind of think if you had a publisher that that um they would take care of a lot of that for you. Um. 
I feel like having somebody who is independent, you know, somebody who can be really objective to say, you know, be to, to give you some really brutal home truths sometimes would be quite valuable because when we write things ourselves, you know, we often think, oh, that's terrific. And we often think that, and it makes sense to us when we write it. But I feel like it's very useful to have an independent, objective person such as yourself to have a look at, you know, the manuscript or the content and go, actually, that doesn't make sense or, you know, mm, that's not as good as you think yeah. it is. You know, will you give us that brutal feedback? I, I do agree with that. Um, I, part of my role is protecting people from themselves and <laughs> yeah. it's because when you start like to that. be honest, so let's say with memoir, and it can also be a nonfiction book where you're you know sharing your professional stories as case studies and weaving that in. But mm. in memoir especially, someone is being really truthful and they're pouring out their heart and they pour it all out. Mm-hmm. And I might say, look, I don't think that anecdote needs to be in there. It doesn't reflect well on you. It doesn't yeah. represent who you are. And what will your partner think? What will your children think? You know, and that's and it's something as a as the author of memoirs as well. I don't tell every single thing about my life. Some mm. aspects are private, and that's and and I learned that actually from Paul Thoreau, the beautiful travel writer. Um, he wrote the Great Railway Bazaar, and at the end of that, in the um, epilogue, he said. And, and he wrote the epilogue like a decades after the book came out. He said, I was actually separating from my wife during this journey and as I wrote the book, but yeah. it was too painful and I didn't include it. And mm. when I read that, I thought, I don't have to share everything. I can share what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. So it's great to, to spill everything out in the manuscript, but then having me as sort of an impartial observer, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you be subject to attacks by trolls for example, you know, and so it's, it's the author's choice. It's just my advice. Um, but most of the time I find people say, Oh, actually on retrospect, no, I don't want to include that. Or I want to include more on something and less on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like good advice. Um, Hey, I'm conscious of your time. If you had one big tip, one really important tip for anybody who's considering publishing a book for whatever reason, for credibility in business or because they've just got that creative thing inside them that they need to get out, what would your one piece of advice be? Just do it. You will not regret having published a book. You will not regret it. It will give you satisfaction for the rest of your life. I interviewed someone for my podcast yesterday and she wrote a book in um, 2011 and it didn't sell well and it was crushing at the time. But she says now um, when she tells someone like just at a dinner party that she's written a book, she said like their jaws drop. What? You have to tell me about that. She said now, you know, that she's gotten over the initial disappointment. It's a really positive thing in her life. So that's that's kind of, you know, the worst case scenario in a way. It is so on a personal level to document something, to give it to the rest of the world in a book for people to choose to read is it's just such a great feeling and it's such an achievement and people recognize the big achievement that it is. Mm. Um, So I would say, do it. Don't listen to the doubt. The doubt is normal, natural, and probably positive because it spurs you on. But Mm -hmm. just as I'll say again, don't let it stop you. Like get to the end, even if you hate it, just read over it at the end. And I bet you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it because it's something that'll stay with you forever. Having yeah, done it's that, like, it's an achievement nobody can ever take away from you. 
it's like getting a degree. You you always yeah. have achieved that degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Jess, it's been awesome chatting to you again. We could we could talk about this for a whole lot longer, but I know that you're um, under time constraints. So if we've if we've triggered something in some people out there, and they're you know kind of thinking, I'm going to do this. You know, I've been thinking about this, and I'm going to do it. How do they get in touch with you? Well, you'll find me on all the social media platforms uh, as either Jessica Muddit or Henry Books. And my website is also jessicamuddit.com.au, but you can put in Henry Books. It will direct you there as well. Um, very active on LinkedIn. Please um, send me a connection request to Jessica Muddit. Fantastic. Um, Jess, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love chatting with you. Um, guys, I hope you've got something really useful and valuable out of that. If I can give you one thing to take away, it's exactly what just said. If you're thinking about doing it, just do it. What a massive achievement, something that will stick with you for the rest of your life. And if you need some help with that, or if you think you need some help with that, or just a bit of advice or guidance, reach out to Jessica. I'm sure she would love to chat with you. Jess, thank you for joining us on the Marketing Mashup. Pleasure, Simon. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a single episode. If you're ready to really level up your marketing and explode your leads and sales, reach out for a chat with one of our kick-ass marketing professionals. Find us at orbitmarketing.com.au, themarketingmashup.com.au, Instagram at orbit underscore marketing, Facebook at Orbit Marketing Oz, that's Orbit Marketing OZ, also YouTube, LinkedIn, and now on TikTok. Oh, 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 oh,